Wonderful, right. So we're starting a new preaching series uh, today, which is really exciting. Um, yes, I heard one cheer. <laughs> Thanks, Louise. And um, it's called Dynamic Discipleship. In some ways, I feel this is a follow-on from what we've been looking at. We've been looking at Jesus in the Old Testament. And now, if you like, we're looking at Jesus in the New Testament. We're going to be looking and going through uh, the book of Luke, and we're going to be thematically looking through it. So I'm going to be picking out some verses from Luke um, this morning. But we're going to be looking at discipleship through the book of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, before we do that, I just want to play a quick game. I like playing little games when we start, just to sort of give you something to... uh, if you laugh at the beginning, that's got to be a good thing, surely. Okay, so now it's a different kind of game this time, because Michaela always ruins my games. Um, so, but I'm sure she'll be able to uh, do this one as well. This time, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a synopsis of a film. And as I describe what the film's about, you then have to call out, um, before Michaela, what you think the film is. Okay, it's set in 1999. Ken? No. Ken returns to his old high school in Richmond, California. He returns there to get the basketball team into shape. With tough rules and academic discipline, he succeeds in setting the players on a winning streak. Anybody know? So, Coach Carter, winner at the back. Wonderful. Well done, Mike. Coach Carter is the film. If you haven't seen it, it's a wonderful film. I like it, obviously, not just the title, but it's a great film where this coach gets these kids and he gets them to the top of the league. It reminds me of, is it Salford United? Is it Salford United, um, David Beckham's team? He's managed to get this team, and there's a few guys from that era who have bought this football team, and they've got them to go up three or four leagues Um, in the space of three or four seasons. I mean, amazing what he's done with this down-and-out team. And he's brought them into... um, into Went to see them, didn't we, Michaela? Um, So it was see them win the final this particular season. But let's get back to this film. Sorry, I got distracted then. Um, When this uh, coach, Carter, is criticised by players and parents, he sticks to his guns, determined that uh, this class, this, this, this basketball team would excel not just in their academic studies, but also on the basketball court, where he, I won't ruin the film, spoiler alert, he locks the basketball court in order that they do their studies. So these students are taught, and they follow this wonderful coach. He teaches them how to play great basketball. But he also helps them learn the hard way and how to do it well with integrity, hard work, and their academic studies being important as well as the um, basketball. A few months ago, I was reading this article by Tim Keller. Um, It was an article he wrote called The Call to Discipleship. For me, it was a fresh insight into what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. In the article, uh, Tim Keller, he drew out from chapter 9 of Luke's Gospel some important priorities when looking at discipleship. In chapter 9, we read um, in this particular chapter, it's quite a long chapter, first of all, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to uh, minister the kingdom. 
Um, and then he's, he's with his disciples, he's alone with his disciples, and Jesus asks Peter this one question. He says to Peter, um, no, he says to the, sorry, he said to the disciples, um, who do you say I am? And, and Peter answered, Peter says, the Christ of God. That's what the NIV says. Peter says that you, Jesus, are the Messiah, the one sent from God, the one whom was prophesied in the, in the whole of the Old Testament, the one, the Messiah, who would bring wholeness. You know, and I think for me, um, the first half of this preaching series is about us unpacking who Jesus is. Who is it that Peter saw in Jesus in this moment that he should recognize him as the Messiah? He'd been getting to know Jesus for some time. And here in chapter 9, we get the revelation that Peter sees Jesus as the one sent from God, the promised deliverer, because they were expecting a deliverer. The Jewish nation were expecting somebody to come and deliver them. And Peter recognized Jesus is this man, the one who had set people free. And so what I want us to do the first half of this series is really to unpack what Peter might have seen in Jesus at this point in Luke. Getting to know Jesus afresh. We're going to get to know Jesus through these eight, first eight chapters of Luke. What he did, how he went about living, how he testified to the kingdom of God. Then the second half of this preaching series centers around, a bit later in this chapter, verse 23, after Jesus has been talking to the disciples, he said, he turned to the um, disciples and he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now at this point in Luke, there is a sense that Peter, as we've just said, know who he was, he knew who he was following. But he didn't know how to do it, what to do. Jesus sends his disciples out to do the work of the kingdom, to minister the kingdom in which Jesus had come to bring. And so really from Luke 9 to the end of Luke, we see lots of examples of how the disciples get chance to practice what it means to be disciples to be followers of Jesus. And we're going to unpack a bit, what, learn from them of how to be disciples ourselves, how to be followers of Jesus. How does that sound? That's the summer in store for us. So we're going to start today by looking at Jesus. And we're going to start um, looking at Luke. So Luke is a gospel, one of the four gospels. Luke was written by Luke, um, and he wrote uh, Luke as well as the book of Acts. Now, the book of um, the, the gospel of Luke is pretty much a story, a testimony of Jesus' life, what Jesus did, what he said, and then the book of Acts was like a follow-on book from that, of what happened to the early believers when Jesus returned to heaven. Luke himself was a doctor. He was well-educated. He was careful and precise in his recordings, and the Gospel of Luke is considered the most comprehensive of all the Gospels. It contains the most accurate historical detail, 
and I would say is a goldmine of wisdom and insight into Jesus' teaching. His life, a detailed picture of what Jesus did. And it demonstrates what life would be like for all who want to follow him. So to start this series, as I said, what we're going to look at is Jesus as the one who taught. Jesus the teacher throughout these first uh, few chapters. Now, before I start, or as I start, let me ask you this one question. What are your memories of your teachers from school? Every one of us uh, will have memories from school. You'll have memories of uh, good teachers, probably. Teachers you liked, you'll even probably remember the names. And bad teachers, teachers you really didn't like. You know, some teachers were perhaps overbearing or strict. Some were firm and fair. For me, I remember Mr. Hardwick. He was a maths teacher, and he was particularly good at teaching me how to really play chess. I mean, he was fastidious about it. In fact, every match that I played, he used to collecting our score sheets, and he used to go through them and critique every game that I played to help me improve my game. That's commitment, isn't it, as a teacher? Crikey. There was Mr. James. I loved Mr. James. He was my form tutor in year nine. Year nine. Um, and I liked him because he wrote, always wrote me a good report. And I remember one time, yes, I know. It's a good reason to like somebody. And he, I remember him writing one time on my report, um, Rob... Is a, is, I really like his developing sense of humour. <laughs> oh, what a lovely teacher. Uh, but then there was Mrs. Pollard. Mrs. Pollard was my year five teacher. And I didn't think Mrs. Pollard was such a good teacher. Because one time she embarrassed me in front of the whole class. I don't think that was very good teaching. Do you, Michaela? Depends, it depends. <laughs> so there we are. There are some memories of teachers. And I'm sure there are many stories in this room. I mean, maybe over lunch you can share stories of teachers that you had throughout your um, schooling life. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus teaching in a number of different ways. Jesus was a teacher. On the greatschools.net website, so I've done a bit of research here, it describes characteristics of what makes a great teacher. And I know there are a number of good teachers in the room, so they'll all be perhaps taking notes, but they're probably doing all these things already, so uh, no worries there. A great teacher is one who has high expectations of their students. They never give up on underachievers. They have clear objectives and give plenty of opportunity for practice new skills. They are prepared and organised, energise students and look at issues and the, ask, the students ask questions in a variety of ways. They form strong relationships with their students, showing that they care about them as people. Great teachers are warm, accessible, enthusiastic, and caring. And finally, they demonstrate a passion for their subject, which in turn instills a hunger in their students to learn more and grow in their understanding. I think I added that one. But these are characteristics of great teachers. Now, being the best teacher is one thing. But when we look to Jesus, he brings teaching to a whole new level. Because there's something quite 
incredible about Jesus, about him being God made flesh. That Jesus was God come to dwell among us. That in the flesh, he was able to teach and lead and counsel the disciples one-on-one. Or in threes, or in twelves, or in seventy-twos. He was able to counsel and teach. So God in person was teaching the disciples. Jesus, the the King of kings, the, the, the one who is perfect in love and perfect in care, a man who speaks right at the right, right word at the right time in any given situation, that he had come to earth to teach, that he had come to teach about himself, about God, about the kingdom, about the kingdom that goes beyond the grave, to teach us of a life that's fulfilling, that's, that's personal, that's relational with him, that's intimate and life-changing. So much greater than that wonderful list. But this is the Jesus that we're talking about that is our teacher today. So I want to look at five aspects with you, if that's okay, of how Jesus taught and what we can learn from that. Firstly, Jesus taught in many different styles. If you're a teacher today, you get taught about people's learning styles. You get taught lots of different styles Jesus taught in lots of different ways. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus teaching in a number of ways. In Luke 4.32, we read of him teaching in Capernaum. In Luke 5, verse 3, he taught people from a boat, standing in the boat, the people are on the shore. In Luke 6, verse 6, he teaches people in the synagogue. The, the Jewish people are coming to the synagogue. He teaches them there. And while in the synagogue, he heals a man with a shriveled hand. So he teaches through demonstration, demonstrating God's power, working through healing this man's hand. He taught through parables. He taught many parables. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, it contains the largest total number of parables in all the Gospels, and we're going to be looking at that later in this series. In fact, there are 18 unique parables in this gospel compared to the other synoptic gospels. In Luke 9.13 is where we really see that he begins to teach his disciples by getting them to do it themselves, getting them to practice. And you know, most learning takes place by doing, by actually getting on and doing something, and learning through doing. And the way he does this in Luke 9 is he gets them to think about how to feed 5,000 people. Now that for me would be a pretty daunting exercise. If you've got 5,000 men in front of you, and women and children, how on earth are you going to feed them? You know, and it's interesting because in chapter 9, the disciples had just returned from seeing the power of God at work. You know, they've gone out. Jesus sent them out and they've gone out and they've seen God heal people by laying hands on them. They've seen people healed. As they prayed for people, they've seen the power of God at work. And then they've just come back to be with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, they've got this issue before them. They've got lots of people to feed. And, you know, it's interesting how literally this is just six verse after that 
um, witness of where they've seen the kingdom of God at work. And the disciples come to Jesus and say to him, send the crowd away so that they can be fed and sleep elsewhere. It's interesting, isn't it? Because here they are, they've just seen the power of God at work, and they're in this situation where now they've got an opportunity to see God's power at work, and what they want to do is send people away. But do you know what Jesus said to them? He said, disciples, you give them something to eat. (laughs) My word. You know, how on earth do these disciples feed 5,000 people? You know, what were the disciples' response? Well, they didn't know what to do. And what happens is that Jesus then teaches them about his kingdom, about kingdom principles, that he is the God of miracles, that he is the God who will provide, that he is the God who is faithful even in the most impossible situation. And the disciples learn a lesson through this moment. The best way, one of the best ways for someone to learn a new skill is to allow a person to discover it for themselves. You know, a couple of times this week, as I've been preparing, I've just thought about um, my son, and I just realized I was going to ask permission to share this. But he, he, he's been learning little things. I mean, children learn all the time. I mean, they've got this aptitude to absorb things. They learn and learn and learn. They learn from us as parents. They learn from their teachers. They pick up things without you even realizing. Sometimes bad things, unfortunately. But, you know, seeing Tom uh, this week, you know, he was, um, I was making fajitas one time this week. And um, he had, I gave him a choice of going up to the shop and getting some onions or cutting up the chicken to make the fajitas. And he chose to stay and cut the chicken which I don't think he got very far because I don't think he liked the chicken. But he learned a new skill of cutting up raw chicken. Another time yesterday, we were out um, on a a river near Tunbridge and um, we were out rowing. Anybody know how to row here? One, two people. Three, three. Oh, there's a few of you. Oh, come on, David, put your hand up. Come on. But it's really hard. Have you ever tried it? It's really hard. And um, it was funny because we had to wait for this boat to come back in. And there was a couple on the boat. And they they obviously had no idea because the guy was standing on one side trying to make the boat go forward. And the lady was on the other side trying to make the boat go forward. They really hadn't a clue. It took them ages to get the boat back. But Tom had a go. And there he was. He was learning how to row a boat. It's really hard. But we learn by doing we learn by doing, by stepping out, by trying new things. You know, and it just might be that God may bless the thing when we step out and we trust in Jesus. When we step out and ask him, Lord, where do you want me to minister your grace, your kingdom in this particular situation? Where? And he, you know, he goes with us. He promises he'll go with us. And he might see amazing things happen as you step out in faith. It's so powerful and empowering when you see somebody um, step out and do something and feel empowered because they've tried something that they've not done before. You know, the reason I went into teaching originally was because I went into a school in Leicester and I was sitting in this um, class of disaffected children. 
you know, the, the, the head of department says, well, I'll, I'll let you go and visit this classroom because this will truly know if you want to be a teacher or not. And there was probably more support assistants in this classroom than there were children. And I remember there was this one moment where there was this um, young lad um, who was sitting under a table. And I thought, I'm going to go and talk to him. Because <laughs> I was on the other side of the classroom. And I got under the table with him. And, uh, and I just asked him his name. And I told him my name. And I said, you know, you fancy you know, showing me what you've been trying to do. And so he sat in his chair, and I sat next to him, and he, he pointed to his work. And I could see they were trying to add two three-digit numbers. That was it. And, uh, and I said, okay, well, let's have a look at this. And I showed him how to do one. I said, well, this is, this is how you do it. And I said, now, now you have a go. So I did another sum. And he did it. And he got it right. And he was like, wow. And I did another three. And he did those. And he got those right. And I put these great ticks on and I wrote, you know, well done and all that as you do as a teacher. And you, the joy on his face for getting these questions right was phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. You know, and I think there's something powerful and empowering when you see people try something to do it and are successful. And the same is with us when we step out in faith with a little bit of faith. You know, we tell somebody about Jesus. Do you know, I, I'm a Christian. Or if somebody we know is struggling, can I just pray for you? The difference it will make to them and the way that people appreciate it and the difference it makes in our own hearts is phenomenal. It's empowering. It's powerful. Jesus teaches in many different ways. That's the first point. Second one, his teaching is life-giving. As Jesus taught, he also healed. As he taught, he saw the power of God come with his teaching. His teaching wasn't dry and boring. It was full of life. It was full of life. It changed people's lives for the better. You know, it was good teaching. It was life-changing. You know, Jesus is life. He's the life of the world. His teaching gave and brought people into fullness of life. Jesus was in the business of bringing life. Jesus is in the business of bringing hope and restoration to all who are willing to receive him. Point three, because we've got six of these. Number three, his teaching came with authority. It came with authority. The word of God says in Luke 4, 32, People were amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed at his teaching? Because it came with authority. Jesus spoke with an authority which came from heaven. Because he was the truth. He was the way. He knew what would bring people into freedom, into fullness of life. And he spoke with that authority. And people were amazed. You know, for some, he was just, a, you know, he'd come from um, um, Nazareth. He'd come from... You know, he didn't come from anywhere. He was just a carpenter's son. Who was he? Well, who does he think he is? But as soon as he started talking, wow, who is this guy? They were amazed. He spoke with authority. You know, and when someone speaks authority, you kind of get, you sit up and listen. You kind of go, oh, wow, this person knows what they're talking about. You know, my, um, um, my old head of department, when I taught at 
King's Norton Girls. I thought your mum was going to be in here. I was going to... Oh, where is she? At the back. King's Norton Girls. Do you know it? Fantastic. Great school. When I taught there, though I had a head of department and a younger guy, but there was something about him that just carried authority. You know, in some ways as well, he was quite softly spoken. And to meet him, you might not necessarily think he was much, but he had great authority, which in turn received great respect. He knew his subject. I mean, I think there was one time he was voted best teacher in the country or something. He was put forward to this award. You know, and there, but there was something about him that you just, you would follow him. You know, he was quick to help if there was a problem or issue. He made decisions that led the department to grow stronger and better at teaching mathematics. In fact, he, I probably started at that school kind of really being a bit fed up with teaching, if I'm honest. A bit like, oh, you know. But what he did, he sort of, his love for the subject, the way he led the department, gave me a fresh joy of what it meant to be a maths teacher. It was a joy to follow his leadership. Jesus' teaching came with authority as he walked, as he spoke. The crowds just followed him. Number four, Jesus' teaching cut to the heart. You know, Jesus' teaching, Jesus wasn't interested in what we see on the outside. He was interested in what was going on in our hearts, what was going on in the hearts of the people around him. He knew at the core of every human being there is a God-shaped hole that needed filling. And he knew that he was the one to fill it. There was no two ways about it. No one else could fill this hole except for Jesus. And my question for you this morning, has your heart been filled with the joy of knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Without Jesus, we will be continually searching but never finding. Jesus is the only pathway to knowing God. Amen? Jesus is the way to know God. He is the one that fills our hearts with his love. And as we allow Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our lives, we begin to walk in the very purposes that God has for us. The crux of Jesus' teaching we find in Luke 9.23, whoever wants to, me, wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus was saying, make me the first in your life, in your heart. Have nothing above me. Deny even yourselves. At the root of Jesus' teaching was a desire for his truth and love to penetrate our hearts, to penetrate our very hearts, and in so doing, filling us with complete acceptance, value, and love. Just um, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, learning does not grow up in our hearts like weeds do in the field, but it must be sown in us as good wheat and barley must be first cast into the ground if there ever is to be a harvest. I love that phrase, to be sown into us. When I first became a Christian, I definitely felt that the seed 
of knowing Christ was sown into my heart, that seed of faith that grows and grows as we listen to and obey the teachings of Christ. It's an impenetrable seed. Peter describes it in his letter, an impenetrable seed that fills our hearts. But in order to receive his love, we have to lower our defenses. We have to lower our our cynicism, lay down our pride and trust in Jesus. That what Jesus taught, that what Jesus says is true. That he is truly the one in whom we find God. Number five, his teaching demands our response. Hearing Jesus' teaching was not a matter of enabling you to pass an exam. His teaching wasn't just an exam preparation. You couldn't just listen to him and go away and say, well, that, that, was a, that was a good talk. You know, I quite like TED Talks, you know. TED Talks are good. In fact, some of them are great talks. You know, they go some way to influence our lifestyle. We may get better at dealing with life and what it throws at us by listening to those talks. But Jesus' teaching takes them to a whole new level. Jesus says, give me everything and I will show you the kingdom of heaven. Jesus taught what it meant to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus. That following Jesus wasn't that easy as clicking a button. You know, it's very easy to um, follow people these days, isn't it? It's really easy. You know, I thought I'd look up who was the most followed person in the world. Does anyone know? I think somebody said it. Who? Your mum? <laughs> Obama, he's, he's the top 10, he's in the top 10. But the highest one is Kay, Katie, Katie Perry. It's Katie Perry. I thought you might have had that one. Katie Perry is the highest followed person in the world. I mean, how on earth that works, I don't know. As of Wednesday, she might have more since then, but as of Wednesday, she had a hundred, might be a different survey I was looking at, I don't know, but it was 107 million 437,384 followers. I hasten to add, I am not one of those. (laughs) But isn't that amazing, though, that you could have that many people following you? You make a tweet, and 107 million people get to see it. How easy is it to have people following you? I wrote down here that I've got 58 followers and I follow 15, but I don't think that's right. I think it's the other way around. I think I've only got 15 followers. <laughs> it's not so easy to follow Jesus. It isn't. It's not just a matter of clicking a button and then you're in. We have to give our whole lives, guys, our whole lives to following our Lord and Saviour. We need to give our all to him. Not part of us, all of us. All of us, then we're in. We've got a great eternity with our Lord and Saviour. Tim Keller uses this illustration on this matter. A woman um, that he knew was given a talk. Her name was Barbara Boyd. A bit of a tongue twister, and I might get that a bit muddled as I read this. She said, if someone says to me, come in, Barbara, come into my house, Barbara, but stay out, Boyd, it's a bit of a problem. Because I can't separate them. It's not like the top half of me is Barbara and the bottom half of me is Boyd. So if you won't have Boyd, you can't get Barbara. If you're going to keep Boyd out, you can't come in at all, she continued. 
You know, you can't say, to say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins, answer my prayers, do this for me and do that for me, but don't be the absolute master of my life. Jesus, Saviour, come in, but Lord, stay out. How can he come in at all? Because he's all Saviour and he's all Lord. He's all Lord because he's Saviour and he's Saviour because he's all Lord. His teaching demands us to give our all to follow him. Demands a response. And the response is, yes, Lord. And then finally, why do we follow Jesus? Why do we follow his teaching? Because his teaching was trustworthy and true. If we're to learn from any teacher, we first have to trust and respect the one who wants to teach us. We have to respect and believe that what they're saying is true. We have to trust it. And this goes without saying. But the crux of the matter for Christianity is do we trust Jesus? Do we trust him for every area of our lives? Jesus was more than a great teacher. I mean, we've been looking at him as a teacher today, but he was a lot more than that. He was and is the son of God. He is the King of Kings. He is the mighty God. He's our Redeemer. He's the one that is bringing in the rule of God back into the world. And he's doing that through you and me. Jesus is the one who has authority. And he's delegated that authority to me and you. He is the one who heals and delivers. He is the one who repairs and restores. He's the one that does that. Do you trust what he says is true? When Jesus walked, as we read about in the book of Luke, Luke, he was full of wisdom, full of peace, hope and love, compassion for all those he met. He could be trusted then and he can be trusted today. He's worthy to be followed. And my encouragement to us today is allow Jesus to teach us new things, to disciple us, to allow that seed in our hearts to grow through his word. And finally, just three points of application. Firstly, have you ever given your all or your life to him? Have you put Jesus in the driving seat of your life? Have you invited Jesus into your life, into your heart? If you've never done that, then I'd encourage you to do that today. It would be the best decision that you will ever make. Secondly, be teachable. You know, what is it that possibly could get in the way of your teachability? You know, what gets in the way of the, how easy that we are to be taught by Jesus, to be taught new things? Is it fear? Is it shame? Is it pride? You know, maybe talk to someone. Get some help. Help somebody stand alongside you. Be teachable that you will walk in all the fullness of the things that God has for you. And the third point is get to know the teacher. How can you grow the very seed that God's placed in your heart? Jesus has a treasure trove of good things that he wants to share with you. As you get to know him, as you draw from him, as we continually get filled with the Holy Spirit, as we draw from his wisdom, his strength, and his power. You know, like the disciples, we learn most through making mistakes 
and through the very trials that we go through in life. My encouragement is to always take time to learn from the Master, the creator of heaven and earth. He wants to teach us and show us new things in him. There's a massive that God wants to show us and teach us as we step out in him. You know, there's a phrase I read on Facebook last week, and it was this, sometimes you win, and I know what's going through your head, but the second part of this is sometimes you learn. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Let's be people that are open to learn, willing to learn from the master, the king of kings, the lord of lords. And I just want to finish with these words from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, He will be the best Christian who has Christ for his master and truly follows him. Some are disciples of the church. Others are disciples of the minister. And a third sort are disciples of their own thoughts. He is the wise man who sits at Jesus' feet and learns from him. With the resolve to follow his teaching and imitate his example, he who tries to learn of Jesus himself, taking the very words from the Lord's own lips, believing and doing the very words the Lord has taught, he, I say, is the stable Christian. Amen.